0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Easter at Calvary. Whether you're here live in the worship center or you're watching somewhere else in the world online, we're so glad that you have joined us for the Super Bowl of the Christian calendar. It's a big day, and we're so glad we get to celebrate it with you. Now, something we like to say around Calvary is we don't believe it's any accident that you were here, we believe God led you here. And you might say, wait a minute, somebody promised me lunch if I came to church or I get an extra slice of ham or an extra Easter basket or something like that. Even if that's the case, we still believe God led you here and he has something for you today, something that he wants to speak into your life. And so we just pray that you'd have an open heart and an open mind to what he wants to speak into your life today. Now, if you are a regular attender here at Calvary, you know that last Sunday we finished up a sermon series where we've been talking about the idea that our life is telling a story. No matter who we are, by the choices we make, the words we speak, the actions we take on a daily basis, our life is telling a story to the people around us. And the question that we really wanted to dig into is, is our life story compelling? Is it meaningful? Is it purposeful? Is it having an impact on the, on the world and on people around us? And one of the questions I asked is this, have you ever thought about what people are gonna say about you at your funeral? Now, I realize that's kind of a morbid and odd question, but I mean, be honest, you've thought about it before. Someday, you're gonna be at the front of a church or the front of a funeral chapel, and there's gonna be people who are gonna come up to a microphone and they're gonna talk about you. And so what are people gonna say about you at your funeral? Now, as you can imagine, being in a position like I am, I've done quite a few funerals over the years, and I've kind of seen everything that you can imagine at these funerals. I could tell you stories all afternoon. But one of the things that I've noticed is that there are times that when people come up to speak about the deceased, they really have to stretch and strain to talk about them in a positive way. Maybe you've experienced this before. You know, people come up and what they typically do is they talk about what they liked to do, not the difference they made. They come up, you know, well, You know, this person really liked to play bridge, they liked to drink Diet Coke, and they were really good in the bowling league on Thursday nights. You know, nice things, but not real purposeful, meaningful, or impactful. But I remember back many years ago to a funeral that I did at a little funeral chapel on Payne Avenue in St. Paul, and it was one of the coldest nights of the winter, and it was pitch black, and I remember sitting there as people came up to give the eulogy. There was an elderly woman who slowly made her way up to the podium. She got up there, she had to adjust the microphone. She paused for a long time, which made me nervous, and then she said, I don't have anything nice to say at all about this person. Now, that was awkward enough, but right after she said that, a lady behind me yelled out, amen, which was even more awkward. But you know, then there's other funerals I can think of where person after person gets up and shares about the deep difference this person has made in the lives of so many, about how they gave their life away for the sake of others, how they were focused on making an impact, sharing their faith, serving others. And it's such a difference to hear those kind of stories. Now, if you're kind of wondering man, I wonder what people will say about me. The good news for every one of us, no matter what our story is, no matter what we've done or said or thought, it's not too late to write a new chapter. And in fact, that's what Jesus specializes in. He specializes in writing stories of redemption and new life. And really, that's what we celebrate today on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, that Jesus is doing something new and that he's writing a new chapter in our world and in our lives. Now, about 3,000 years ago, there was a very powerful and wise king named Solomon. Now, maybe you've heard about Solomon before. At that time, he was said to be the richest man on earth. He had access to anything he wanted. The queen of Sheba visited him and was said to be blown away by all of his resources. But as I said, he was also the wisest man on earth. And so he set out on a quest to try to discover the meaning of life. He wanted to know why are we here? And he especially wanted to know how do we find happiness and how do we find contentment? So he started this investigation. And again, he had the money to figure everything out. So he went and he tried entertainment and he tried education and he tried fame and he tried power and he tried wealth. And along the way he made this observation about the world and about life. This is what he said. He said, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. He had access to anything and everything. And yet, all he saw was kind of this repetitive cycle of life that we're a part of. I mean, investments, they increase, but they also decrease. There's good news and there's bad news. Happiness comes and it goes. Nations and empires throughout history have risen and then they've fallen. There's good days that we have, but then there's bad days. Sometimes it feels like we're on a mountaintop, but then there's other days that feels like we're walking through a valley. And when we're in those days that feel like we're on a mountaintop, we know instinctively that a valley is probably right around the corner because that's just how life works. There really is nothing new under the sun. Sometimes it feels like our lives are stuck in a rerun. I mean, have you ever felt that way before? Like you're living the live action version of Groundhog's Day? You know, there might be little changes each day, but pretty much life stays the same. There's nothing that new under the sun. Maybe you get up in the morning and you watch the news or you read the newspaper. Again, the details might change a little bit, but pretty much every day there's just awful news. There's wars, there's violence, there's sickness. People treat each other horribly on a daily basis. But it's not just the news, right? If we look at our own lives, it's much the same. We make the same mistakes over and over. We struggle with the same temptations. We have the same frustrations. We keep trying to find happiness in all the same places. Maybe if you think about your, your normal day, you know, you're like, well, it seems like almost every day I have a fight with my spouse, or I have an argument with my kids, or maybe that's just me. Like kids, could you put your stuff in the dishwasher and not just leave it on the counter? Maybe you have those things that play out day after day. Maybe it's the same frustrations and annoyances at work every single day. Maybe you keep going back to the same addiction Maybe you keep running to that relationship that's not healthy for you. Maybe you keep losing your temper. Maybe you keep saying things that you regret. Maybe you keep posting things online that you regret. Maybe we can really relate to King Solomon's assessment. There is nothing new under the sun. Well, the apostle Paul picked up this theme In the New Testament, in the book of Romans chapter seven, this is what he said, and I think we could all relate to this. He said, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't wanna do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I mean, that's the reality of our human nature. Every one of us, as much as we wish it wasn't true, is stuck in a cycle of sin. Now, I understand sin is not a popular word, it's a very churchy word, but sin simply means to miss the mark. And if you think back over the past few hours, the past few days, I think if you're honest, you'd say, yeah, I've missed the mark numerous times. If I'm gonna be honest with you, I missed the mark on the way to church this morning when someone was driving in the left lane slowly. But here's the thing, when we're stuck in the cycle of sin, sin separates us from God who is holy and he's sinless. And sin leads to brokenness and it leads to death. And it's an endless cycle that we can't break out of. And deep down in our souls, we long for something new. We long to be set free and we know that we need renewal. We know we are made for a new and better life. But like Solomon proclaimed, is there really anything new under the sun? Well, maybe not under the sun, but we worship a God who reigns over the sun and he is able to make all things new. Remember that cycle of sin and brokenness and death that I was just talking about. Well, Jesus' resurrection is the first time in history where someone broke out of the cycle. And that's good news for us because of his death and resurrection, we can begin a new chapter. So let's look at the gospel, Easter gospel story from the gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And this is what it says. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. See, these women were the very first eyewitnesses to this amazing occurrence. And they respond in a very understandable way. They are terrified and shocked and astonished because up until this point in history, dead meant dead. There was no other option until now. Jesus's resurrection changes everything. Now you might be thinking at this time, well, this is a nice story that we roll out once a year. You know, we come here before Easter brunch or lunch and we hear the same story and it's great. But I mean, isn't it just a myth? Isn't it just a legend that's been handed down? Isn't it just a nice kid's story that we tell each other once a year? But I think the apostle Paul was very accurate when he said the entire Christian faith hinges on the truth and the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Now, there are many great books that you can read about all the evidence there is for Jesus' actual resurrection. And we don't have time to go into all of those things, but I wanna share with you just a few key pieces of evidence. First off, there are 15 historical references to Jesus meeting with people, touching people, eating with people after his death. There's another time where he met with over 500 people after his death. And when Paul is telling this story, he tells his readers in the first century, if you don't believe me, go ask one of them. They're still alive. They could be your neighbor. Go knock on their door. Ask them what it was like to eat and to speak with someone who is dead but is now alive. Well, 11 of Jesus' disciples eventually went on to some of the most gruesome and painful deaths, independent of each other, all convinced of his resurrection. But then there's my favorite eyewitness someone who went by the name of James. James was also the brother of Jesus, which makes me always ask the question, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he died and rose again and was the son of God? Because that's what James believed. The resurrection means that there is the possibility of a new start in life that you are able to turn the page and write a new chapter with Jesus's help. Second Corinthians 517 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. You see, Jesus is able to do what no self-help book can do, no fitness class can do, no TV episode can do, no amount of positive thinking can do. He can and he will break us out of that old cycle of sin and brokenness and death and make us completely new. Being a new creation means we are no longer slaves to sin because he defeated sin on the cross. Being a new creation means we have a new identity in him. We are heirs to his kingdom, which just means everything that is his is now rightfully ours. And this isn't just some future promise or some future reality or a dream down the line. We can write a new chapter with him right now. Because I think everyone here needs renewal. Every single one of us has something in our life that needs to be made new today. As you think about your life story, as you think about your daily life, what needs renewal? What needs to be made new? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's your attitude. You just find yourself filled with bitterness or pessimism or negativity. Maybe it's your fear of the future. Maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's feelings of guilt and shame that you've carried with you for years and it just weighs you down. Maybe it's a fear of inadequacy, a feeling of hopelessness. Maybe it's a a general lack of purpose. We see the life that Jesus invites us into today is not more of the same old, same old. Because God announces from his throne of grace, behold, I am making all things new. Not just some things new, not just the things that interest me. No, all things new. I think this is precisely the promise we need to remember when we face life's frustrations and disappointments and pain and struggle, and when we find ourselves again and again in that ongoing cycle of sin, it's in those moments that God says to us, watch me do something new. I will bring hope to even the most hopeless of situations. I will mend even the most broken relationships. I will bring forgiveness, even to the most painful circumstances. I will restore even the most damaged of people. He says, I will give you a fresh start, a new beginning. Let me turn the page and begin to write a new chapter in your life. Don't give up, don't give in, don't just figure there's no help or no hope available because our God defeated sin and death and brokenness once and for all. And in doing so, he created all new promises and possibilities for you. But that's not all. God's not finished yet because he also promises one day to create a new heaven and a new earth where all of his people will dwell with him forever. And listen to the description we're given in Revelation 21. This is amazing. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Can you imagine? All of the pain and sorrow and struggles that we face each and every day will be gone forever. Because of the resurrection, death is not a be, uh, an ending, it's a beginning. Jesus has opened the door. And on that day that we see Jesus face to face, it's then that we will finally be fully satisfied and fulfilled and complete and restore, and we won't be searching anymore. I love how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We will no longer be stuck in the cycle of sin and death, and we'll no longer be on a quest to try to find purpose and meaning and happiness, just like Solomon tried to do because all of our senses will be filled with the glory and the presence of God himself. And I think that's an image to keep in mind for those moments that we feel restless and frustrated, those times that we just are generally sad about the condition of our lives and our world. It's a reminder that this life, this old life, is not all that there is. You were made for a better life, a new life in God's presence. You know, the fact that deep down, we feel like things are not the way they should be. Deep down, we feel like something's missing, something's not quite right. That should point us to the truth of who God is because he's the one who can satisfy our souls and who can make all things new. Church, the good news for every one of us today is that he's already done all the hard work. Jesus gave up his life on the cross, and he rose again on Easter morning. But now it's up to each one of us to respond. And the truth is, every one of us will respond in some way. Perhaps you've been watching the clock, just hoping that I finish up soon. You're thinking there's only minutes until I get my slice of ham or my cinnamon roll or whatever your thing is. But you see, that's a response. And if that's your response to jump to the next thing, well, you're choosing to go back to that same cycle that we're all stuck in. But this morning we have an opportunity to respond in a positive way, in a way that can change our life right now. One of my favorite pictures of Jesus in the gospels is in the story of when Peter decides to try to walk on water. So Peter climbs out of a boat and he starts to walk on water. He's doing well for a few steps and then he gets freaked out and he starts to sink. But the text says in that moment, Jesus immediately reaches out his hands. It doesn't say Jesus sits back and makes fun of him. Jesus doesn't critique his form. He doesn't heckle him. He doesn't pause at all. It says he immediately reached out his hands. Jesus is reaching out his hand to you today. And maybe you've never reached out and grabbed his hand and said, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died and you rose again. I want you to make me new, to start writing a new chapter. Or perhaps you've been a church going person all your life, but if you're honest today, at some point you stopped holding on to his hand You got distracted, you got busy, your calendar was too full. But you know what Jesus says to you? He says, I never left. Take my hand again. I'm all about fresh starts and new chapters. Or maybe you have his hand firmly in yours and you're living as a new creation. And that's incredible. You're called to go and tell others the good news. You're called to invite others to be made new. As we close out our time together this morning, I wanna give you the opportunity to respond if you wish. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is to bow your head and to close your eyes. You don't have to do anything you don't wanna do, but if you would like to make a commitment, if you would like to reach out your hands and grab his, Simply pray the prayer I'm about to pray together with me. You don't have to say anything out loud, just pray it in your heart. So again, if you just bow your head, close your eyes, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and that I deserve death. I believe that you paid for my sins on the cross. I believe that you died and rose again so that one day I can die and rise again. Jesus, I am putting my trust in you today. I want you to be my savior and my God. Forgive me of all my sins and my guilt and my shame. Heal my heart and make me whole again. Thank you for saving me and for forgiving me. From this day forward, I will seek to follow you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now, if you keep your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, I'd ask you just for a moment to put your hand in the air as a sign of commitment in this moment. And we praise God for that. You can put your hands down and you can open your eyes. If you raised your hand, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you are a new creation and we celebrate what God is doing in your life. You have forgiveness for your past and you have hope for the future. And this isn't just a one-shot thing. We wanna walk with you in your faith journey. So we'd love to connect with you after the service. We're gonna have prayer stations at the front of the worship center. We have people who will pray for those of you who are watching online. You could also go to one of our information tables and connect with someone there. So my prayer for each and every one of you today is that you would have a happy, but even more importantly, you would have a very Christ-filled resurrection Sunday. Amen.